Okay, Luke chapter 13, verse 1 through 5. I'll read here in just a minute. Um, I want to start by just asking a question. You don't have to answer, okay? Please don't answer. <laughs> but just think about it in your heart. Are you a good person? Do you deserve to go to heaven? The answer is no. Including the preacher, I don't deserve to go to heaven, and neither do you. But most people think that they are. We find that out fairly frequently as we go door to door, don't we, Brother Randy? In fact, yesterday we, we uh, knocked on uh, a couple doors, and one lady, an elderly lady, she must have been in her mid to upper 80s, and we started witnessing to her, and she, she admitted that she was a sinner. She said, well, I had lied at one time or another, uh, but she still insisted that she was going to be good enough to get into heaven. And I told her, ma'am, if you could be good enough to get into heaven, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? But yet she still insisted that she was good enough. And uh, we just couldn't get anywhere with, with her. Finally, eventually, she uh, found an excuse to go inside because uh, we, we were uh, witnessing to her pretty heavily. And uh, then we went down just, I don't know, maybe two doors down. And then we met another, another lady and um, started witnessing to her. And I always start off with, if you were to die today and stand before God, and he was to ask you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say to him? The very first thing that pops out of the majority of people's mouth is what? I'm a good person. Both of these ladies yesterday, I mean, it was like boldly, blatantly, I am good. And I'll usually tell them, you know what, you probably are a pretty nice person, but when we get to heaven, we're not all going to vote on it. It's not going to be, hey, everybody thinks that Larry is a good guy, raise your hand and see if he gets in. <laughs> it's not going to work that way, is it? And then I'll take them to the Ten Commandments, and I'll try to get them to see the reality of what's actually going on in their heart. I was says, don't bear false witness. Have you ever lied before? Now, most people are going to be honest with me and not lie to me there on the spot and tell me they have. Okay, and then I'll go to thou shalt not kill and Jesus says anger in your heart is murder in your heart and thou shalt not commit adultery and Jesus says lust in your heart is adultery in your heart and thou shalt not steal and it doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't say thou shalt not steal Mercedes, just thou shalt not steal, right? People get all these different ideas in their minds and so I'll try to go to these things to help them see where they would stand with God and then I'll bring them to the judgment. But this lady here, this particular lady, we get to thou shalt not lie. Oh, no, I've never told lies before. No, I don't lie. I've never told any lies. I said, well, you know, ma'am, the Bible says we're born speaking lies. That's what the Bible says. I said, you know, I've got six kids and I know human nature. I don't have to teach my kids to lie. I have to teach them to tell the truth. And we're all made the same way. Amen. And so I tried going through the Ten Commandments a little bit. She was going to be good on everyone, wasn't she, Brother Raymond? I mean, she was, she was, she was thinking she was acing the test. And, um, and I said, well, are you a sinner? Sometimes people will not admit to breaking the Ten Commandments, but they'll at least admit that they're a sinner, that they're not right with God. And so I said, well, are you a sinner? No, I am not a sinner. I am a good person. And I said, okay, ma'am, let me ask you a question. Does God lie? And she said, you know what? I think God might lie. 
I was shocked at those words. But then I said to her, okay, okay, well, let me ask you this. Do you believe the Bible? And she said, yeah, I believe the Bible. I said, okay, well, let me show you what the Bible says. And I took her to Titus where it says, God who what? Cannot lie. God who cannot lie. And I said, okay, ma'am, God cannot lie, right? God always tells the truth. So now let me go to Romans and tell you what God says. God says there's none righteous, no, not one. And all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us are sinners in need of saving. We've broken God's laws and we're on the way to hell if we won't repent and trust Christ as our Savior. Now granted, I got about that far and she didn't, she didn't want to hear anymore. She was ready to go inside. <laughs> but you know what it amazes me? That I meet people, we meet people like this every single week when we go out. And if I didn't know any better, I'd think that Danville was a perfect place because there's no sinners in Danville. Everybody's good. Everybody's saved. Everybody's going to heaven, right? And the reality is in our world today, most people have their own ideas about eternity and about who deserves judgment and who doesn't and who's good and who's not. And the majority of people believe that somehow if they do good enough, if they're basically good people, if that good outweighs the bad, they get an idea of scales in heaven, then God will overlook their bad and accept them into heaven. The problem is that all people consider themselves basically good. I don't care who it is. Um, you go to the prisons and you talk to those who have committed horrendous crimes and you ask them, and, oh, yeah, yeah, I've murdered somebody. I've done some awful crime, but I'm a pretty good guy. I can guarantee that's the vast majority of the response that you're going to get. And it's the same spot response you get from the people on the street as well, except the difference is that a lot of the people that have never gone to prison before are very self-righteous and, and want to proclaim their own goodness. Listen, folks. We're not good enough to get in. That's what it boils down to from the preacher to the pew. There's no one good enough to get in. Amen. And I'll tell you, this philosophy that we're facing, it's not a new thing. In fact, Jesus dealt with many people just like this, who believed that only those who had done exceedingly wicked things would be judged by God. And those who were primarily good would not be judged it would be allowed into heaven. Well, in the text that we're going to look at today, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, our Lord, our Savior, he used a piece of the local news to illustrate this issue. And I want us to look at what he has to say here. To me, this is one of the most powerful pieces of scripture. I love this text. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 13 of Luke. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Or those eighteen upon whom the tower in Siloam fell, and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem, I tell you, 
repent, ye shall all likewise perish. In verse 1, we see that somehow the blood of the Galileans got mingled with the sacrifice. And, and, and in the mind of the Jews, this was an awful thing. This was a horrible thing. This was an abominable type of thing that these men died and somehow their blood got mixed with the sacrifices. Now, I really like Jesus' response to them. Jesus says, as he's dealing with them, he knows their hearts. He says, so because this happened to them, do you think that these Galileans were sinners above all? I mean, did they really deserve this? Now, Jesus is dealing with the religious crowd here, right? The scribes and the Pharisees and the hypocrites and, and the so-called good people, which our communities are filled with. And these men were always trying to promote themselves and to justify themselves as good and righteous people. But you know what? Jesus knew the true condition of their hearts. He who the Bible describes in Revelation with the, as the one who has eyes of fire. I'll tell you what, one day we stand before that judgment, seeing his eyes of fire will pierce right through us to the very core of who we are. There'll be nothing hid, and you'll know that he knows every single thing about you that's ever happened. He knew the condition of their hearts. And they were, and he knew that they were inwardly full of wickedness and sin, just like everyone else. You see, they, just like the men and women of today, would try to justify bad things happening to other people by saying, oh, well, look at them. They must have been horrible sinners above all others because this happened to them. But Jesus says, no. You think they were judged. You think that they were killed because they were sinners above all. But don't exclude yourself, because I'm telling you that except ye repent, ye shall all, A-L-L, all likewise perish. Jesus is trying to get our attention here. He's trying to get all to look into our own hearts, to examine our own hearts. Because I'll tell you the truth is, it's so very easy for all to justify ourselves as, I'm good. I'm okay. God will let me into heaven and deceive ourselves and to hide behind the deceptive cloak of self-righteousness and self-justification and self-goodness when God says it's not good enough. And then we look and see someone else experience a tragedy and say, well, look, God is judging them because they were such horrible sinners. Sinners above all. No, look at yourself, friend. Look at yourself. Don't worry about anybody else. Look at yourself. Look at your own heart, your wicked, deceitful heart. That's how the Bible describes it. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. None, none, none. That means nobody, okay? And then Jesus said, there's none good, save God. That includes you and that includes me. The Bible is clear that we all fall short of the glory of God. Can you imagine if you were 
try to get accepted to some sort of college, and they said to you, listen, this is Harvard, this is Yale, you've got to get 100% on this specific test if you want to get in. And you do it, and you think to yourself, man, I am so good. I mean, I just, I did wonderful on this test. The test comes back, you get a 99% on that test. But you know what? You were one point short of the standard, weren't you? Do you get in? No, you don't, because the rule was 100%. One point, you fall short. We, doesn't matter how many good things you've done in your life, how many you can pile up, the truth is you fall short of the perfect standard of God. And in the book of James, chapter 2, verse 10, it says, if we offend in one point, one little point, one time, just one little deception, one little white lie, uh, one little taking something that wasn't yours, or wrong thought of someone of the opposite sex, just one little time, then we are guilty of all. That's what God says. Read it, James chapter 2, verse 10. It's the truth. And Jesus is trying to get them and to get us to take and look at ourselves rather than always pointing the fingers at other people and justifying ourselves. And he tells us, no, don't point the finger at them. Don't point the finger at everybody else. And then say, sure, they're being judged of God, or they will surely be judged of God. But instead, you, you look at yourself. You look at your sin, because except you all repent, you too shall likewise perish, every single one of you. It's the words of Jesus Christ. It's coming straight out of the mouth of God. It's not just from the preacher this morning. This is a message from heaven, friend. And you tell you, I'll tell you, you may not die in an awful way, but you'll die in an eternal hell separated from a perfect God. And that horrible place forever and ever and ever if you'll not repent and give your life to Christ. Jesus is saying, hey, you're not different than them. I don't care what part of town you live in. I don't care what good deeds you've racked up in your life. I do not care if you are a member of Victory Baptist Church. I don't care where you got baptized. Don't think that you deserve any less. If you won't come the way of Christ, you'll not get in, friend. It's not through the doors of Victory Baptist Church that you get into heaven. It's through the door of Christ. And except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. We are all sinners and we will all perish eternally because of our sin if we refuse to repent and trust Christ and what he's done on that old rugged cross that we might be gloriously saved. You see, Jesus is showing us the judgment of our sin will ultimately come upon all of us who refuse to sincerely and truly repent and turn our lives over to him, to trust in him and follow him and commit our lives to him as the one who will be our Lord and our Savior and our God. And that judgment that's coming, friend, is an eternity separated from God in a literal burning fire, a place called hell. You see, you will get what you deserve. That lady yesterday, if she was, boy, she really thought she deserved heaven. She's going to find out otherwise one day. 
You will get what you deserve. And if you won't come to him his way, it's not going to be heaven, friend. Now, Jesus follows his first example with a second one that is similar. And he says now in verse 4, in fact, we can go ahead and read that. Or those 18 people upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them, think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. So now he moves on to the next example, and he says, okay, so we've looked at this first one. What about the 18 people that just had this tower in Siloam fall on them and killed them? Do you think that they were sinners above all people just because they suffered such things? You know, once again, he follows this example by saying, no, this didn't happen because they were great sinners. How much sin will get you into hell? How much, folks? How much sin will get a person into hell? One little sin, one time, causes you to fall short of the glory of God and not get into heaven. This did not happen because they were great sinners. Okay, so Jesus is trying to make this abundantly clear. We all need salvation. Every single one of us. All of you are in danger of perishing unless you'll truly repent and trust Christ. That's the truth. Except you repent, ye shall all, all, everyone, likewise perish. Amen. You see, the men of the, this world have their own formula for who they think is good and who they think will be able to go to heaven and, and who will be accepted by God and rejected by God and who deserves judgment and who doesn't. But you know what? That's not been anything new. I mean, even from the very beginning, when we have the two children of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, what happened there? God said, I require the blood, right? And Abel, in obedience and faith to God, he brought a lamb, a blood offering which represents the, the Savior, the Messiah, the, the Lamb of God that one day come and shed his blood and die for us. And in faith, he offered what God required and Abel was accepted. But what did Cain do? Cain said, I'm not going to get a sheep. I know this is what God required, but I've worked so hard out here in the garden, the work of my hands. Boy, I've worked and I've toiled and I've got all this beautiful produce, all these wonderful, colorful things. Boy, it's so beautiful. I'm going to just gather up this work, this beautiful work of my hands, and I'm going to present that to God. And surely that will be acceptable to God because it is so beautiful. It is so good. And God said to Cain, thou art rejected. Why? Because he did not bring what God required. Amen. Now, granted, God told him, if you do right, you'll also be accepted. Right. Amen. But God would not receive the work of his hands. He required a blood sacrifice. Jesus is our blood sacrifice. Amen. And unless we're willing to repent of all other ways and turn to Christ and trust him and receive him and give our life to him as Lord and Savior, and listen, we too will perish in a literal hellfire, a place of eternal torment. Because except you repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You see, oftentimes men want to think of themselves as good. 
Even in Proverbs, it talks about every man will justify his own goodness and is right in his own eyes. It says that two or three times in the book of Proverbs. But Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our God, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh who dwelt here to, to be our sacrifice and to be our Savior. He clearly shows us here. He, he tells us we're all sinful, every single one of us. And unless we repent and trust in him as our Savior, then listen, friend, we're in danger of hellfire. The Apostle Paul wrote in Acts chapter 17, in verse 30, he says, In the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. This is what God's, what God's calling. I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should what? Come to repentance. And in this text in Acts, it tells us he's commanding all men to repent. Why? Why is he commanding all men to repent? Well, verse 31 of that very next verse tells us because he has appointed a day in which he will judge the world. So judgment is coming. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this what? The judgment. Judgment is coming. For some of us sooner, for some of us later, but judgment is coming. And for those who think that they're good enough, who refuse to repent and trust Christ as their Savior, let me tell you, they will get what they deserve. They will be judged according to their sins. Not according to their goodness, not according to their religiousness, not according to their deeds, but according to their sins. Because they refuse to accept God's way of salvation. They refuse to accept God's payment of redemption. They chose their goodness over Christ's righteousness. And listen, your goodness will never be enough, friends. And the judgment of their sins will be an eternity in a place called hell. Listen, folks, I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care if you've been baptized. I don't care if you've been baptized ten times. I don't care if you, what church you go to or what church you're a member of. I don't care if you read your Bible religiously every single day. I don't care if you pray regularly your prayers. The Catholics pray prayers too. I don't care if you say, well, I've asked Jesus into my heart and I've done good deeds and I help my neighbors and you go on and on with your list. You will never be good enough to pay for your sin debt. All that religiousness, all that goodness, it's never enough. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. amen. You see, the only thing that will ever earn you a, a place in heaven is the precious blood of Christ. That is the only way. It's through the blood. We try to get that across every week, don't we, Brother Raymond? It seems like people are so hard. They don't want to realize how necessary the blood of Christ was. They want to think they could get in on their own. Even that first lady we talked to yesterday, she was saying, at the very end, she said something to me like this. She said, well, I, I'm, I'm going to, I hope I'm going to get in someday, and I might even see you there if you're good enough. And I turned back, and I looked at her, and I said, I know that I'm going to get in, but it's not because I'm good enough. 
It's because I'm trusting in my dear Lord and Savior, yeah. Jesus Christ, and the blood that he shed for me. And I have full confidence that what he finished on an old oh, yeah. rugged cross, hey. praise God, hallelujah, it's enough to give me in. Amen. Amen. Anything I can do in this life, it's not enough. But the blood of Christ is far more than enough to give me into heaven. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus is enough. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's all about God. It's all about Christ. Because you all have sinned before an almighty God, and the wages of your sin will be an eternal death. And listen, the only way to escape the judgment of your sin is through the gift of God. The wonderful, matchless gift of God that was demonstrated to us on an old rugged cross. And praise the Lord for the Lamb. Praise the Lord for the blood. Praise the Lord for the blessed Redeemer who is our gift of salvation from heaven. You see, God offers for us to come to Him His way that we might be saved from the penalty of our sins, which is the penalty which we deserve, might I add. And remember, friend, we're not to come on our own terms. You don't make the rules. You're not God. And God is very pointed, and he says there's only one way to come to him, and that is his way. There's no bargaining. God says, look, here's my offer. You can take it. You can leave it. It's up to you. But if you choose to do things your way instead of mine, you will not be accepted. You will be rejected just like Cain was. As it talks about in Isaiah 64, verse 6, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. You've studied that before. It's not a pretty thing. He refers either to the menstrual rags that the ladies used back then or refers to the leprous rag that they would hang outside of town. They would hang out a post. A leper would come by and his sores would be oozing and he would take that rag and he would, he would wipe out the oozing, pussing sores, nasty sores. As he cleaned them off, he'd hang it back up on that pole. And the rain would come and wash it a little bit. The wind would come and dry it out a little bit. And then guess what? The next leper would come by and he would take that filthy rag and he would do the same exact thing. He would wipe out his sores and he would hang it up again. How many in here want to go home and do your dishes with that? We wouldn't propose such a thing. And yet, how many people out there today are waving that dirty, stinking, filthy rag before the eyes of God, saying, Here, God, you're going to let me into heaven by this. Don't you dare. So it's, it's, don't you dare think such a thing. It's, a, it's just a filthy rag in the eyes of God. All of our righteousness is nothing more than a filthy rag. Listen, I don't need my righteousness. I need the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Amen. Only the righteousness of Christ through the blood of Christ is what's going to be accepted in the eyes of God. Amen. You see, a person who chooses to do things their own way, they'll not be accepted. And you will still bear the punishment of your sin. Peter says in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I like that idea. Anybody here want their sins blotted out? Amen. Praise God. I want my sins blotted out. I want them removed from remembrance permanently. Amen. But God says if that's going to happen, there's going to have to be a time and place in my life of repentance where I turn from my wrong ways. And I turn to Christ. And I trust Him as my Savior. And I give Him my life. Amen. And He says, praise God, the promises of God is I'm going to blot them out, Brother Larry. Every single one, blotted out, praise God, to the precious blood of the dear Lamb of God. Jesus says in Matthew 4, 4 verse 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what, Jesus is coming soon. Are you ready? You're not if you've not repented. Mark 1, 15, a verse I quote frequently. Jesus said, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Boy, that's in a nutshell what needs to happen if you're going to get saved. There's going to be a time and place where you turn from your wicked ways, your wrong ways, you change your mind about it, and you acknowledge the God of heaven submitting to his authority over your life, and you say, no more am I living my own way, living my own life, living for my own sin, but I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to Christ, trusting what was done for me on that old rugged cross, that he died for my sins, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day triumphantly, that if I would place my faith and trust in that substitutionary death for my sins in my place, I could be gloriously saved. Praise the Lord. And I'll tell you what a wondrous thing it is when that takes place in your life. Repent and believe the gospel. Luke 24, 47, Jesus' com command to his disciples was and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Listen, folks. Is repentance something that only the people we view as very sinful should do? Absolutely not. Repentance is something that ought to take place in every one of our lives. Repentance... <laughs> Is something that ought to take place when we truly give our life to Christ. Jesus clearly showed us we are some of us sinners, right? No, we are all sinners. We all fall short. Maybe some of us do more good deeds than others. It really doesn't matter because we've all sinned. We've all broken God's laws. We've all sinned against an holy and almighty and perfect God. And we are all in danger of eternal judgment. And no matter how many good works we do, we will still carry that sin with us unless we come to Jesus the way he has instructed us in the Holy Scriptures. And this is why Jesus could so boldly and so blatantly say, Nay! Nay, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Notice that he says all. Underline it, circle it. That's everybody, every single person. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 30, he commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Every one of us is guilty of sinning against God, guilty of breaking his holy law. And whether we want to admit it or not, that's the truth, right? And every one of us is going to spend an eternity in one of two places. 
If we'll not repent, we'll spend an eternity in hell separated from God, which is ultimately what we deserve. Nobody in here deserves heaven. I don't deserve heaven. I really don't. I'm the preacher of this church, and I don't deserve heaven. I deserve a place in hell, but by the grace of God, God loved me enough to send his only begotten son to die on an old rugged cross, to shed his blood for a poor sinner like me, that when I was ready and willing to repent and turn to him and trust him and receive him as my Lord and Savior, he, he said, come, whosoever will, just let him come. Yes. And I came and I trusted him and praise God, I know I'm saved, amen. I know I'm going to heaven because I've trusted Christ, not because of my goodness. Yeah. You see, unless we'll obey God, and by faith, repent of our former beliefs, repent of our sin, repent of our self-righteousness and self-goodness in our own wicked way. And by faith, turn to Christ, trusting in his substitutionary death on that old rugged cross as the only way that I can be saved. Then I'll not be able to get into heaven. Remember, there is no separate group of good people. We all deserve God's judgment. Matt. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. <clears throat> Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. The words of Jesus Christ, there's none good save God. And if we refuse to repent, he shall all likewise perish. As I was writing these words down, the thought pumped into my mind. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. And as John the Baptist, that, that fiery preacher in the wilderness, cried out, he said, Flee the wrath to come! Flee the wrath to come! The judgment of God is on the horizon. Repent! And turn to God and do works meet for repentance. Trust Him as your Savior. You see, the message of repentance and faith is, is to every single one of us. For all have sinned, and all will perish eternally in hell if we refuse to repent and to trust in Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. Amen. And so as we get ready to conclude today, I I urge you, if you're here today and you don't know where you would spend eternity, don't delay. I don't want you to just pray a prayer. There's a lot of Baptist preachers out there today, and that's all they do. They just want to get somebody to pray a prayer. Come on, one, two, three. Hey, who wants to get saved? Come on up here. Everybody wants to get saved. Come on up here. Let's pray a prayer. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus tell you to pray to receive salvation. Over and over again, he tells you to repent, and he tells you to believe. It's a decision that's going to be made in your heart. And so if you're sitting here today, that decision of repentance and faith, it's going to take place. That faith is a, a believing, is an entrusting of ourselves to God, a committing of ourselves to God. Um, listen, folks, that's going to take place. How many of us, we're just living our own lives, doing our own thing, not caring at all what God wants in our life. And God says, no, that's not the reason I created you. I created you for my glory. 
I created you because I wanted you to save, to save you and to, to have you honor me in your life. So repent, turn from your wicked ways, turn from your sin, turn from your self-righteousness, turn from your own goodness and, and turn to Christ trusting in him and, and, and giving your life to him as the one who will be your Lord and Savior and your God who you submit to and follow. Listen, friend, if that is not taking place in your life, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. As Paul wrote in Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. You know, we have a picture of a repentant sinner in the story of the prodigal son. And if you remember, he got to that place in his life, he was at the pig pen. I mean, he was eating out, he was ready to eat the slop out of the trough. And he finally, the Bible says, he finally came to himself. The light bulb went on, amen? And he said, in my father's house, is there not enough food to eat? And he said, I will turn and go to the father's yeah, house. Yeah. Maybe it's time for someone here to say, I will turn and go to the father's house. I will trust in the Lord. I will give him my life. I will let him be my Lord and my Savior. You know when that happens, the Bible says that there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. What happened when that prodigal son came back home? Was there not a rejoicing in the house of the Father? And listen, if that's you today, oh, I pray that God would just so grip a hold of your heart. I don't care if you've been in this church your whole life. I don't care if you're a member. I don't care who you are. If God's dealing with you, don't fight with God. Repent and give your life to Christ and just watch what he'll do in your life. Amen. As we all stand to our feet with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, Miss Pat is going to come play on the piano. If the Lord has spoken to your heart today, the altar is open. Maybe you say, I know, preacher, I'm saved. I've trusted the blood of Christ. I know for sure I'm going to heaven. But I have a loved one that I really want to see get saved. And so I want to come and pray for them this morning. Uh, well, the altar is open. Uh, if you know somebody that you'd like to pray for, that you want to get saved, you come and pray that God would deal with them, bring them to repentance and faith. And that uh, God would work in their hearts and God would deal with them. But maybe you're here this morning and the message spoke to your heart, not because you have someone in mind that you want to see get saved, but because you know yourself that you are not saved. You don't know for sure if, the, if you stood before God in heaven that he'd say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, come in. You don't know for sure that you repented and trusted Christ. Is there one like that here today that could raise her hand and say, that's me, preacher. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I want to make sure today I want to repent. I want to give my life to Christ today. Is there anyone in the building like that today? I don't see any hands, but God knows your heart. You know what, I'll tell you what, you don't need the, you don't need Victory Baptist Church to get saved, but you do need Jesus. And you must repent and believe the gospel. You must repent and trust Christ if you'll be saved. So I challenge you, if God is dealing with you, please do not let this thing alone. Before this day is out, get alone with God and give your life to Him. Trust Him as your Savior before it's eternally too late. The altar's open. If the Lord's spoken to your heart, you come and pray.